Let's go to the Lord in prayer before we wrestle with our scripture for today. Would you pray with me? Simply put, O oh God, our prayer is this. What you have created for us to hear and understand, let us not miss it. In Jesus' name. If you ever find yourself in backwoods, small-town America, in a little insignificant place called Columbus County, and you're driving along an old country road in between two unimportant cities or villages, Whiteville and Chadburn, and if you're paying attention as you travel, you may just notice a tiny little sign in someone's front yard that says, The Little Man Zoo. That's right, folks. Last Sunday, somebody commented to me that they couldn't believe I preached an entire sermon without mentioning one animal. So today, to make up for it, I'll talk about an entire zoo. <laughs> But don't have in your mind the Frankfurt Zoo or the Opal Zoo or something like that. This little man zoo is just that. It's a guy who lives in a little house and in his backyard he has animals. It is the smallest zoo. It's the little man zoo. And if you're brave enough, you can go and see these animals that this man has. And of course, you know me by now. If I see something strange, bizarre, slightly interesting, I cannot resist. I've got to go and, like Moses, turn aside that I might see this thing. And I never have learned curiosity killed the cat. But cats like me can't help it. So I one day pulled aside and turned aside to see this thing, the little man Zoo. And there I met a very backwoods country guy named Bubba Ray. Bubba Ray, a real name. And if you've ever watched movies about Southern America or seen any television shows, Bubba Ray is exactly what they often depict to make fun of people like me. <laughs> He's wearing a pair of overalls, denim, no shirt. Big hairy chest. He's got a cowboy hat on that's filthy and has a hole in the top right corner. A great big turkey feather sticking out of it. And he says, y'all come on back. I'll show you around. Now there was only me there. Y'all is the plural for you. It's the you all. He says, y'all come on back and I'll show you around. And indeed he did. He had an enclosure with several monkeys of some type and they were swinging on ropes and climbing around this fake tree. He took me around and showed me his lion. That's right people, in America you can just own a lion. <laughs> and he has it in his backyard. Not like at a normal zoo where there's a water barrier and then there's bars or a glass that you can't penetrate. This is just a chain link you could literally, if I had wanted to, stuck my hand through the fence to touch the lion. 
I know what you're thinking. I did not do that. Okay, just believe me. But there is this lion, and then next to the lion enclosure, there was this strange animal that I have never seen before in my life. And the man said, that right there is my Zadonkey. Your what? <laughs> my Zadonkey. And he explained he used to have a zebra and a donkey, and they got married and produced this Zadonkey, which in the front half, and if I'm lying, I'm dying. The front half looked like a normal donkey, and the back half looked sort of like a zebra. It was light brown with dark brown stripes. And, and that, my friends, is a Zadonkey. And I asked him what happened to the zebra and the donkey. He answered me with one word, lion. <laughs> Which, by the way, got me thinking, how did that lion get out? And it, was this one time the lion got out and ate both? Or was this two separate times? And is this about to be the third time? I got to meet his ostrich. I was so amazed at the, the look of an ostrich how big and glassy their eyes are. And, and there he stood above me doing this, looking at me. And, and I, I made the mistake to point at his eye and say, look how big that eye is. And I suppose he thought my finger was a worm or a tree because he grabbed it. And listen, folks, ostriches hurt. He had all kinds of things like this, but the creature that stood out above and beyond all the rest was a monkey, a monkey named Clyde. Clyde was a spider monkey. And they named Clyde, and, and Bubba Ray explained to me that he and his wife were not able to have children. And so they got Clyde instead. And my friends, they put a, a baseball cap on Clyde, he was wearing a t-shirt that had a Superman logo on it. And this monkey was wearing a diaper. They cut a hole out for his tail to go through. And they lived with Clyde like he was their son. He ate at the table with them. He watched TV with them. He slept in the bed with him, them. He lived in their house and they treated Clyde like he was a real little boy. It's like real-life Pinocchio. They treated him that way. I'll never forget this monkey jumps in my lap, and he wraps his long monkey arms around the back of my neck, and his tail curls over my arm. He holds me in place like this, and he kisses me all up one side, all up the other side. And then he leans back and he just looks into my eyes. He looks into my soul. And for a brief moment, for a moment, I almost believed that Clyde was a real monkey, a real boy, a real human child. But he wasn't, was he? And this became almost depressingly clear when I watched Clyde stand in front of the monkey enclosure where all of the other spider monkeys were playing and 
eating fruit and swinging from the ropes and climbing in the fake trees. And there was a sadness I sensed. Because it became obvious to me, wouldn't Clyde be happier being the monkey that he really, truly is? Wouldn't Clyde be happier not trying to be forced to live like and act like a little human child, but what if he was free to be the monkey God created him to be? And then I thought, and all the more, if Clyde could see a real wild monkey in some jungle somewhere, swinging from real vines and climbing real trees and living free, And it came to my mind that classic maxim, to thine own self be true. Or to put it in more common tongue, be true to yourself. Or in Clyde's case, monkey be, monkey true. Ook, ook, eek, eek. My friends, one of the things that I learned shortly before I became a believer in Christ, it was that, that there was this reality that I was living something fake. That I was embracing an identity that did not really fit with who I was. There came this awareness in me, and this is part of what led me to Christ in the first place, that I began to be aware that I was trying to identify or become all of these different things in my life. At the time, I was just a teenager, so, you know, it was teenage things, like trying to be one of the jocks, the athletes, or trying to fit in with what we call the preppy crowd, that they pop their collars, you know the type, and dress in real clean slacks. Or perhaps I would try to be like the country boys and, and put on my cowboy hat and boots and chew tobacco and smoke cigarettes. And, or maybe I would try to be like the really smart kids. That was the harder one for me. But in all of these identities, it's the same exact trap we fall into as adults to try to find our identity in some political group or our favorite sports culture or in some ideological organization or or in something about ourselves or our orientation. And all of our existence becomes wrapped up in this identity that is no real identity at all. And what I found is that no matter how hard I tried, nothing about those lies gave me satisfaction or purpose or meaning, much less joy, much less joy. And at the same time, do we not find that we are often given labels that people try to tell you who you are? what you are. I remember also as a teenager being told I was stupid or trashy or a thug. I worked with teenagers in a home for abused children who were often told that they were 
trash, that they were sluts, that they were gangsters. And perhaps people have told you, given labels to you in your life as well, but they don't fit, do they? This is the way the world whispers these lies into our ear to corrupt us, to change us, to cause us to embrace a false identity. But it will never be enough. God, we heard in our opening scripture, created us in his image, male and female, in his image created he them. That's our real identity. And what has happened that from birth we have been born to and brought into this corrupt and fallen world that is so full of deception and lies and misinformation that we have abandoned our true identity to try to embrace all of these false narratives. We're just the monkey dressed up in a diaper and a ball cap, trying our best to be little boys, but we're not. We try to fit ourselves into these images when our true identity is a child of God, worthy, beautiful, meaningful, and with a purpose, and bought for a price. We may have been created for free, but we reclaim, or rather Christ reclaims us at a price. Don't believe me about your worth? Don't believe me about your identity? Listen to the words of the psalmist written so long ago in Psalm 139, beginning in verse 13. I love these words. I want you to hear these words. These are words written for you, about you. For it was you who formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. That I know very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes beheld my unformed substance. In your book were written all the days that were formed from me when none of them as yet existed. My friends, before you were born, God knew you. And he knew the plans he had for your life. He knew who you should be. What you should be. He knew your value and your worth. And even though as we grow up in this world of lies and deception, we almost always find ourselves seeking after the wrong identity, the wrong place to find meaning, the wrong source of joy. And we get ourselves feeling less and less full of satisfaction. But Christ would say, fear not, for I have bought you back 
at a great price, symbolized here by bread and wine, blood and body, the body of Christ, the blood of Christ. I bought you back so that you can be who God created you to be. Consider the words of Ephesians. When Paul writes to the Ephesian church in chapter 2, he says this, I just want you to, to hear these words. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing. It is a gift of God. We can't save ourselves, nor did we create the process and the pathway of salvation. It is a gift. Take it or leave it. Receive it or do not. Choose you this day whom you will serve. In verse 9 of that chapter, he says, Not the result of works, so that no one may boast. For we are what he has made us. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. So when we begin to look to Christ rather than the lies of the world for our true identity, we receive two blessings, don't we? We receive the blessing we've already mentioned. We discover the joy of being who God created us to be. That's that identity. But in that identity, we discover a second blessing that God intended for you, the, the, the blessing of discovering meaning, meaningfulness in doing what God created us to do. Did you hear that front line? For we are what he has made us, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand to be our way of life. Not only were we created in the image of God, but in that image we were created to do the work of God, to make good, not evil, to do good, not wrong, to bless those who are feeling so unblessed, to love those who feel unloved, to bring peace where there is violence, hope where there is despair, dancing where there is mourning, joy where there is sorrow, salvation where there is darkness, light into this world of brokenness. To do the work of Christ. For as Paul himself wrote, we are Christ's ambassadors. We are entrusted with this very ministry of reconciliation to make right what has gone wrong and when we embrace that true identity we find life and we live it to the full my friends to thine own self be true brings a very different meaning for the believer we find that our self is only true and honest in the self of Jesus Christ. As we worship together this morning, 
This table is prepared before us as a symbol of that identity. This is a symbol of the body and blood of Christ. But do we not know that we, the church, are the body of Christ today? It's a symbol of his hands at work in the world. Your hands. A symbol of his feet bringing forth the good news to the world. Your feet. A symbol of his mouth proclaiming the good news Freedom to the prisoner and the captive. Your voice. Your mouth. As we share in this meal today, there will be a moment of you, for you to reflect and to spend a quiet moment in prayer and preparation. And I would ask that we all repent of the places in our lives where we have forgotten this identity. And trust in God's forgiveness as we ask for him to renew our true ID, the Imago Dei, the image of God. Would you pray with me? Lord, as we receive these symbols of body and blood, may our spirit be enlightened and our faith deepened, that we might be renewed in our commitment that we might be refreshed in our understanding of who we are and why we are, so that we might leave this place today transformed anew, no longer conforming to the world, but transformed by the renewing of our mind. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.